Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Sports Plus Podcast. I'm Corey Miller here with Frank Cusimano, Ahmad Hicks, and Andy Moeller. There's really only one thing everybody wants to talk about this week, and that is what we're going to spend this entire episode on, the NCAA Tournament. Of course, we'll dive into the path for our area teams, talk about the Billikens on the outside looking in, and break down some of the other big questions in the bracket. First off, we got to start with our one seed, the Illinois Fighting Illini, number one seed in the Midwest after winning the Big Ten Championship in one of the most fun basketball games I've watched this year. Them in Ohio State was a fantastic game. Illinois, one of the hottest teams in the entire country. Absolute wagon. They cannot do anything wrong. First thing I'll put out here for our more, we'll call them seasoned or tenured, however you want to say it, uh, Frank and Andy, or Frank and Andy here, who, who have been around and seen a lot of basketball. <laughs> is this uh, is this the most talented Illinois team you guys have ever seen? Oh, I think 2005. Yeah, uh, with Darren Williams and D Brown, uh, that I think that was a little bit more. It got it's close. I thought that was the best Illinois team I've ever seen. And Andy, that 89 team was awesome. I was going to say, too. I'd even go back to the flying Illini, Kenny Battle and Kendall Gill and, and Nick Anderson. Yeah, they were, they were a lot of fun to watch. But the point is, like yesterday during that Ohio State game, when they got up 17 in the first half, I thought to myself right there that there's only one team in America that could play with them right now, and that's the team that's won 23 straight games by double digits. That's Gonzaga. So the selection committee has a lot of flaws, but the one thing they got right is Gonzaga, the one seed, and Illinois, the two seed overall in the tournament. Let's get to that bracket for Illinois because they can have some tough games there off off the stretch. Uh, The selection committee may give them that number two overall, but uh, in terms of matchups, it could be interesting. Drexel in the first round shouldn't be a problem, obviously. Uh, I don't think any 16 seed is going to be the one seed this, this year. But when you look at what's next, potentially Loyola or Georgia Tech, and then potentially in the Sweet 16, Oklahoma State or Tennessee. Now I'm going to get Frank here because Frank and and Porter Moser and Loyola, Frank's locked in on Sister Jean and everything there. What is the chances Loyola could knock off Illinois if they advance? That's a game I want to see really bad. Well, you got to remember defensive efficiency. They're number one in the country. This is the guy who took a team to the final four. This is the Rick Majerus apostle. Um, believe me, Illinois is going to get everything and more from Loyola Chicago. But athletically, I mean, the, you know, you're thinking about that Kofi Coburn, Cameron Crutwig matchup. That's a great matchup in the middle. I mean, Crutwig's the best player in the Valley and, you know, Kofi leads the, the country in dunks. But I just think there's just too many athletes. And this Corbello, Andre Corbello, is my favorite player, I think, in college basketball right now because he's just so unselfish. And when he's on the, in the game, it gives Io a little bit of a break. He doesn't have to have the ball in his hands. He can play off the ball. I, I just think they're going to be too much for, for Loyola. It's not a given that Loyola is going to move on, playing Georgia Tech in that 8-9 game. Georgia Tech really good, too, out of the ACC. Ahmad, what do you see uh, when you first saw Illinois' path? What jumped out to you? Uh, it honestly didn't matter to me uh, who was in on their on their side of the bracket or what side of the bracket they were on. When you look at that team play, they're literally loaded. You think about a 
a team going eight deep. That's what you want for a good basketball team. And that's exactly what you have. Senior leadership as well with Trent Frazier, Io DeSumo, the closer. And as Frank alluded to, Corbello, I mean, that guy is just wise beyond his years. He was actually on one of the high school basketball teams that beat Sierra Canyon with Bronny James on there, the top class in high school basketball last year. So this Corbello guy is a star. And I think when you think of Kofi Coburn, you also have um, Georgie Bishanis Philly, you know, who comes in and can spare him and give him big time minutes and Adam Miller, a freshman from Chicago. So I just think this team has the it factor um, Coburn and Io DeSumo. I think they're going to be the one to punch uh, when the tournament rolls around, regardless of who they play, even though Kate Cunningham, the future number one overall pick in this year's NBA draft will put up quite a show if Oklahoma state can get there uh, and play Illinois. Yeah, Andy, uh, who do you think could cause the most problems for Illinois if they want to get to the Final Four out of, out of the Midwest? Is it Oklahoma State? Is it Houston's the number two seed? Not getting a whole lot, a whole lot of pub right now. Or maybe somebody, San Diego State is a team a lot of people think can pull some upsets. Who do you think could trip them up? Uh, I, you know, I'm not really sure that anybody's going to be able to trip them up, to be honest with you. I, you know, I've, I've seen a little bit of Houston and, and I'm, I'm not that impressed with them. I think if it, if they, if it's a one, two matchup in the regional final, the thing about Illinois is that they can play, they can play whatever style you want to bring to them. They can get out and run. They can play a defensive game. Uh, I, you know, they, they, they can beat you in a variety of ways. So, um, you know, I think uh, you know, I think they're I think they're probably I think they're probably the toughest uh, challenge they would probably have is the Tennessee Oklahoma State combination there, and the, I guess that would be the Elite Eight. Frank, if they do make it to the Final Four, we could see a matchup, a rematch of Ohio State Illinois, or a rematch of Illinois Baylor, which would both just be terrific matchups. Do you think they have what it takes to? To, to get to the national championship and actually win it if they make it to the final four? Oh, yeah. I think Illinois is going to get to the final four. I don't think Baylor's going to be there. I think I tell you, that Ohio State team, that was awfully impressive. I mean, a funny thing happened to Ohio State on the way to getting blown out of the building yesterday. They didn't. They made it a close game. I like Ohio State to come out of the South. You know, Baylor's been hit by the COVID issues. They haven't been the same team since the pause. So I think Ohio State comes out of the South. So taking a, a we'll, we'll get to this at the end, but just Illinois wise, do all of us have, <clears throat> excuse me, do all of us have Illinois in our final fours? I, I think so. Absolutely. I believe oh, so. I had Illinois in my final four about two and a half months ago. <laughs> oh, Frank's just trying to make up for all those mad Illinois fans who come out him on Twitter and say he's not nice enough to them. So now he's, now he's trying to make up for it. All right, don't don't try to like befriend yourself with Illinois fans. We know you're a Mizzou guy, so you can't like the fighting Illini. That's not how. Hey, I like Illinois. I I watched a lot of Illinois basketball growing up. Of course, if they're playing each other, it's going to be a little, a little different. But I hey, I'm I'm rooting for Illinois to go on a nice run. It's a fun team. Uh, let's, let's move on. Taxes in Corey. Both. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that that was probably not the that not the right question. I'm sorry. Where do you which state do you get your mail in? That's mm. true. Yeah, I'm I'm still a still a Illinois uh, Illinois guy, I guess technically. Uh, although I'm trying to trying to shed that in. But uh, <laughs> uh, we can talk Mizzou now. <laughs> we can talk Mizzou now. The Tigers in the tournament for the first time since 2018. That MPJ year where, man, so many high hopes derailed just by injuries and, and oh man, I still remember that Florida State game. Such a bummer. Uh, if you would ask me how excited I was about the Tigers being in the tournament a month ago, 
I'd been on here all painted up in black and gold and ready to lead the charge. But man, it I'll be honest, it has not been fun watching Mizzou basketball for the last month or so. Uh, it seems like every single game, they fumble, <clears throat> excuse me, they fumble it away at the end. Sometimes they pull it out, but it's almost always close and really just nerve wracking. Uh, they're a nine seed. If they win that first game against Oklahoma, they'll have to face the number one overall seed in Gonzaga. Ahmad, what do you think of the draw for the Tigers seed? Because there's a lot of talk, maybe a seven seed, uh, maybe an eight seed. Definitely not. I didn't see many that placed them against Gonzaga in the first round. I thought they'd maybe get uh, a Baylor or a Michigan if they were going to be on that eight, nine line. But no, they're going to, if they win, they got to play the best team in the country. You know, uh, I, yeah, that that is a tough draw for the Tigers, but I think you look at how they finished the regular season, and it wasn't on a really uh, high note. Uh, they had a lot of losses on their um, on their I mean, on their schedule, excuse me. So I think when you look at their makeup of their team, it just depends on who shows up that day. Uh, as Conzo Martin alluded to the other day, we are who we are. You know, in terms of having big leagues and then blowing them at the end of the game. So I think. It, you know, they just have to show up. They have the team. They're capable of winning and, and making a long run and playing with the Gonzaga if a Jeremiah Tillman shows up and stays out of foul trouble and Pinson is aggressive and driving to the basket and Mark Smith can, you know, knock down some open shots and Drew Smith can play defense. But it's a lot of ifs, you know, like they all have to be clicking for this team to really make a deep run. So I think that's all it comes down to. The seeding sucks. Obviously, you don't want to be in the same bracket as the number one overall seed. But at the end of the day, I mean, you're all vying for a national championship. So you have to go through some top dogs anyway. So might as well get it out the way early. That's how I'm trying to look at it too. Uh, Frank and Andy, a pretty interesting matchup from uh, between an old big 12. Oh, really big eight foe. Uh, some better matchups on the football field between Mizzou and Oklahoma, but still a cool matchup here in the first round. Uh, Frank and Andy, what do you guys think about this uh, first round game from Mizzou? Andy, you first. Uh, you know, I was going to cede the floor to Frank because I know that he uh, he talked to a guy with uh, at Oklahoma with some Mizzou connections on the radio today. Yeah, I talked with Joe Castiglione, the athletic director at Oklahoma, one of the great athletic directors in America. And of course, uh, he's the guy who hired. Well, he did a lot of hirings at Mizzou when he was the AD, but he he's hired Bob Stoops and he also hired the basketball coach. A uh, fellow by the name of Lon Kruger, who's 68 years old. This will be his 21st Final Four. He's won nearly 700 games. He's absolutely amazing. Every stop, no matter you know where he's been, whether it's UNLV, whether it's Florida, whether it's Illinois, all he's done is win. And he's a little bit similar, and I talked to Conzo about this last night. He's a little bit similar to Conzo's mentor, Gene Cady, in that hard nose they'll play their you know rear ends off on the defensive end but here's the thing they've lost four out of five i think i think mizzou is going to win this game and i think jeremiah tillman is going to have a great game so I, I do like their chances yeah you brought that up mizzou and mizzou and oklahoma are pretty similar right now both kind of on the downswing of their seasons at the wrong time uh, andy you go ahead uh, with what you're going to say and then afterwards if they do beat oklahoma is there any shot in the world that Mizzou could hang with Gonzaga? Well, okay. First of all, yes, I think they can beat Oklahoma. Uh, I think the key player in, in that uh, equation has got to be Xavier Pinson. He's got to come to play. Um, you know, guard play is so important in the tournament, and he is the guy that's going to be responsible for, you know, distributing the ball and, um, uh, you know, and contributing some offense as well. He's got to be aggressive that day. He's got to he's got to take it to um, you know take it to the rim, 
and distribute or or put it up if uh, you know if he's got the shot. Uh, now, having said that, I do think that they will. I think they will beat Oklahoma. Having said that, I have absolutely zero confidence that they will get past Gonzaga. Um, I'm just, you know, plain speaking here. Gonzaga is loaded, and I, the game could be over ten minutes in. I, I just have that feeling. And Andy but, does not want Gonzaga to win because they would be 32 and 0, just like his. Indiana Hoosiers in 1976. In fact, Andy, on a Zoom call today, I asked the trivia question, give me the five starters on the Indiana National Championship team in 1976. Nobody got it. The offer is off the table because I know you probably know, but go ahead and give it to us. <laughs> I was going to say, how far, how far down the bench do you want me to go? I can even tell you that Bob Bender, who was, uh, uh, you played on the Final Four team at Duke in 78, was, uh, you know, was a bench warrior that year as a freshman. Are you talking Kent Benson? You're talking about Bobby Wilkerson, the Spider-Man. You're talking about Quinn Buckner, uh, Tom Abernathy, and Scott May, the National. Very good. Jeez. Jim and Jim Cruz off the bench. Jim Cruz. Jim Weissman. Man. Yeah. Yep. Lit literally a sports encyclopedia, Andy. <laughs> literally. We'll see if Gonzaga can uh, can join that party. They were listening. To my I don't know if this Gonzaga team quite fits into the history of other teams that have, have gone through and run the gamut. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's talk on the team that was left looking out now, or looking in on the rest of the party, uh, headed to the NIT slew, one of the first four teams out of the tournament, technically a COVID replacement team, although nobody, including Travis Ford, thinks that's going to happen at all, which I think he's right. Uh, Frank, I'll go to you first, since you had a great commentary on the situation last night on Sports Plus. Travis is understandably upset, but the past few days, as they just went on, it, we can't, it got really clear that this wasn't going to happen for the Billikens. Well, it's, it's, it was just a wild emotional roller coaster. Um, on Friday night, um, I am uh, in a, uh, a three or four way text with a, a Billiken coach, a Billiken athletic director, and it was right after that LSU victory over Ole Miss, where earlier in the day, uh, Joey Lenardi said, uh, slew is in. If this happens, it happens. We're all so excited. And then the next day, Georgetown happens. Oregon State happens. End of story. So, yeah, I said see. last week. I, I said last week on the podcast, Frank wasn't on. I had to be the bad guy for slew. That it just did not look good as far as you know what the selection committee would have to choose from as far as the way they ended the season. Tough run for a team that you know would make the NCAA tournament if COVID did not delay their season and, you know, force them to cancel a month's worth of games. I was going to say, Ahmad, do you think the, do you think the committee handled that? I mean, there's really no right way to handle it. Because, uh, what Slew, who was the other team? There was another team on the first four out that dealt with COVID, too, and it seemed like they were penalized for that just because they didn't get the games in. Do you think more leniency should have been granted, or is this just kind of the way it had to be? I mean, I... It, it's hard to say that. Obviously, I'm biased. I think there, there should have been more leniency with this slew team. I mean, they were ranked inside the 25. And um, as Coach Ford said last night, I mean, do do we all think that they were a top 35, 40 team? Absolutely. freaking Lutely. I mean, this. It's a tough draw for them. And, uh, you know, just that's just how the tournament rocks. Every year there are teams that are left out. But we all know watching that selection show that there were teams where we were like, who are they and why are they in over slew? Yeah. So yeah, that sucks. I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but uh, 
about an hour ago, uh, six NCAA officials were sent home because one of them apparently tested positive. And in that group of six is our good friend, Ted Valentine. Oh, really? wow. I'm oh. sure Slew's upset about that. <laughs> Maybe he can sit out and then go uh, ref the NIT. I'm sure they'd love to see him. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, last well, thing on Slew. Oh, go, go ahead. <laughs> you don't want anybody to get it, but no. <laughs> he did not help their causes their cause this year. I keep thinking 23 days of no practice, 34 days without a game. And I, you know, and I'll tell you what it ticked me off a little bit too, is the A-10 moving up their conference tournament, which cost a slew of playing two more games. I don't know, maybe the two games they would, that, that they lost would not have helped their net ranking, but SLU has a higher net ranking than 11 teams in this NCAA tournament. If SLU played Drake seven times, I'd like their chances to win that series. Yeah, last thing on SLU, this was really supposed to be, Frank, uh, this was really supposed to be the year everything was building towards. Perkins, French, Goodwin, seniors. Uh, what's really the pitch going forward for them? Because this is what Travis have been building towards. How, how ready are they for what comes next and hopefully make the tournament next year? Well, they returned, you know, their best offensive player, Javante Perkins. They have the most athletic five-man to maybe ever play at SLU and Francis Okoro. Uh, they're young player. They think, you know, TJ Hargrove is going to be a star. They'll bring in some 22 or 23-year-old grad transfer. Uh, the cupboard is hardly bare at SLU. Good to hear. Let's, uh, let's do some other bracket stuff here that uh, people like to ponder when brackets come out and are filled in, as I've already done with two of them and don't like either of them. <laughs> but first, let's get to that. How many brackets do you guys usually fill out? And what's your game plan? Do you do one? Okay, I think this is what's going to be. Okay, this is what I want to happen. Here's a couple of upsets. Ahmad, what do you do? Well, it depends on how much cash is involved. No, kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, typically, I do about three. Uh, you just do one for fun, then you do one with your favorite team, and then you do one where you're in a league with somebody that you're taking serious and you're just being strategic and, you, you know, you're trying to go with the favorite. So typically three, no more than three, though, for sure. Andy, you're a, you're a guy that I've seen your binders uh, filled with fantasy football draft information. So I'm very interested to hear your uh, your game plan when it comes to filling out brackets. I, I'm usually a two bracket guy, one for fun and then one where I really try to, you know, try to not necessarily crunch numbers, but, you know, try to try to logically see things through uh, or whatever. I think any more than that, I'm just I'm just wasting brain cells. Right. Well, I'm going to obviously have one bracket that'll have Iona winning the national championship. In <laughs> I was going to ask him about that. I was so surprised that he didn't say that on the morning call this morning about them and beating Alabama. Hey, I will say this is you, he screwed up. He's done a lot of things wrong, but from you know, from three o'clock to five o'clock in a practice session from seven o'clock to nine o'clock in a game session, there's never been anybody better ever. And that's including Bob Knight. And, let me, and if he doesn't leave Kentucky, okay, so this is what he had in Kentucky. He won the national championship, then he lost the national championship, and then Tubby Smith came in, and then they won the national championship. If he doesn't leave for Boston, and he had 40 million reasons to go to Boston, he would have, a, he would have had a Mike Krzyzewski run. He's, he's one of the best to ever you know, be on the sidelines. How long do you give him at Iowa? Let me tell a quick story here that uh, that maybe you young young guys will uh, will appreciate. 
The year is 1993. Uh, we, we hire a young, uh, eager sportscaster from Lexington, Kentucky named Frank Cusimano, who comes in and in a gesture of goodwill and a thanks for, you know, letting me play on the team. He gives all of us autographed pictures of Rick Pitino with his NCAA <laughs> championship trophy. And, and on top of that, he gets Pitino to, you know, personally inscribe, uh, you know, the pictures. And on mine, uh, for instance, it was uh, to Andy, sorry about beating the Hoosiers the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, how long do you think he stays there? Uh, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, I mean, gosh, who knows about the St. John's job? You know, you have to have the right athletic director that would be willing to hire, you know, the baggage with it. I don't think there's going to be any more problems, but so I don't know. So don't know. next question, other than Iona, obviously, with Frank, when you're looking at the bracket, who's an underrated team you think could maybe make a run, win a game or two, pull off a Loyola-type run? Andy, who you got? Oh, I got one. Yeah, go ahead, Frank. Okay, it's St. Bonaventure. They're a nine seed. I beat the. I bet they beat LSU. I bet they beat Michigan. I bet they get to the Sweet Sixteen. I love St. Bonaventure. Is Andy. my turn? Um, you know what? I I I don't really have a feel for that yet. But you know, you there's usually some twelve seed that comes in and and will steal a couple of games. The question to me is. Is Kansas going to be able to get through without getting knocked off? I, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of attention paid to could Eastern Washington be the be the Northern Iowa? Could they be the you know the the, the team that knocks off Kansas in the uh, in the first round? Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't really have a feel for that. Mine, what do you uh, my, that out? I'm my sleeper team. I'm just I'm kind of going to home Homer with this one. Uh, Caleb Love in North Carolina. I know they haven't been, you know, as good this year, but I think that team is as competitive as anybody that's in the tournament. They're pretty athletic, and I think Caleb Love, if given the opportunity, we can see what he did for the last four years um, with high school basketball here in Missouri. So that's my sleeper team coming out of the South. Do I, I think they have a chance to upset Baylor, and I think if they can, you know, beat Wisconsin and Baylor, then I think you're looking at a team that can make a run towards the Final Four. Another UNC I think, I think that, final four. That game, the North Carolina Wisconsin game, could, you know, could be, you know, sort of a sort of a harbinger. I mean, Wisconsin's played the toughest schedule in the, you know, in in college basketball this year. Of course, so many of their games were in, you know, in the Big Ten, which you know, without got nine teams into the tournament. Yeah, pretty competitive yeah. conference. Um, my my, I got two, but they're not they're not two biggest sleepers. They're four and three seeds, so that really can't be called a sleeper, but. <laughs> I like Florida State a lot out of the East. I, Leonard Hamilton, I think, is the best coach in the country that nobody really talks about as much as they should. They're so deep, and they're really tall, and I think they could beat pretty much everybody. They're, they're going to be my final four pick out of the East. I also like Arkansas, partly just because I've seen them play so much playing the zoo, and they've just got so much talent, and they got Moses Moody back now. He's going to be uh, a, a lottery pick. So I really like Arkansas up there in the South as well. Okay. Uh, last thing in this other bracket stuff, and we'll go to a final final buzzer question. Which St. Louis kid do you think is going to have the biggest showcase in this tournament? Ahmad, you played into this nice. You think Caleb Love uh, is going to have a, a good rollout? Uh, we got Courtney Ramey, EJ Liddell, Love, Tillman, Aaron Cook uh, to win a title with Gonzaga. Frank, who you got? Well, uh, the guy who's going to win the title is going to be Aaron Cook. And he's not just a, a guy that comes off the bench and plays a few minutes. He plays meaningful minutes 
15 to 18, he's exciting. He's an unbelievable passer. He's a high wire act. I think he's going to be cutting down the nets. The best player, of course, is, is EJ Liddell. And I love what Courtney Ramey has done at Texas. I'm going to go with Liddell. I, th- I think Liddell's going to, you know, going to, uh, you know, I mean, he loves that championship run. You know, he's uh, they had the two of them at Belleville West. Uh, and just based on your interview with him, Leslie, you could tell he's excited about this. He's, I think he's going to, I think he's going to uh, serve some notice this week. I'm following suit and I'm going Liddell. I mean, there's a reason why David Quito picked him as the number one prep player to come out of this town, you know, over Jason Tatum, which was, you know, highly debated amongst a lot of Twitter peeps. But I'm going with Liddell. I just think his impact on that team is just unquestioning. They go as he goes. And if he has a bad game, then Ohio State is out of this tournament. So I think he's going to have to play lights out every game. And I think he will. Made a good point there. The rest of these St. Louis kids are all exciting, but Liddell is the only guy out of these that can just straight up win a game uh, for any exactly. of these teams. And, and I think one of the most interesting things is he's a sophomore. Uh, you, you don't see a whole lot of juniors uh, leaving school, getting drafted high in the NBA. If if he keeps up this role into the tournament and is just on fire, who knows what who knows what the future could hold and it could come pretty quick for him. He said he's not thinking about that right now, obviously, because that's what they're all going to say. But Hey, if he rides uh, Ohio State in the Final Four as one of the best players, we might see him in the NBA sooner than uh, we may have thought. You know there's some family member or close friend that's telling them, like, hey, you ball out on this big stage, you know you're going first round. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's in the back of his mind for sure. All right, that is the horn. And, of course, uh, we got a pretty – and not very – could have probably guessed what our final buzzer question this week's going to be. We haven't said it outright. We've we've made some allusions to it. What is our final four picks and national champion right now? So we can look back on this in a couple weeks and see who was smart and uh, who maybe wasn't so smart. Frank, you're up. Okay, first up, I will go with Gonzaga, Illinois. I have Alabama and Ohio State. Who won? Oh, so you. Oh, no, no first-round upset with Iona there in Frank's uh... – No, I hate to say it. <laughs> Ahmad? I'm going to go Illinois, Ohio State, Gonzaga, and then my sleeper team out of the East, I'm going to have to go with Texas. That would be a fun one. Andy, what do you think? Uh, you know what? I am going to go chalk in three or four rounds. I got to go Illinois, got to go Gonzaga. Um, and then, um, uh, let's see. I do not think Baylor is going to get out of the, uh, get out of the region. I think Ohio state is going to be team number three. And you know what? Um, just, I think, uh, I think you hit on a, uh, hit on a good point, Corey. I think there's going to be a surprise team. I think Florida State could be it. They, uh, you know, they they are long and they are athletic and they get after it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe steal a little of your thunder. I'm gonna take Florida State as my fourth. All right. Well, when it comes true, I'll be ready for the credit. Um. Um, <laughs> you'll, you'll get a good. You'll get a solid 0.1% of my winnings. How's that? Thanks. Uh, I wanted to pick against Gonzaga, uh, but. They got such an easy draw here that I don't see anybody beating them. Definitely not before the final four. Uh, so I got them coming out of the West. I got 
Ohio State coming out of the South. I thought I was going to be fun with that, but everybody else has Ohio State coming out of the South too, so I'm not that that creative, I guess. Uh, like I already said, we all had Illinois. Um, I'm going, well, for the record here, I'm going to say Oklahoma State beats them and pick Oklahoma State over Illinois here just to be a little different uh, on, our, on our official picking. And then, yeah, Florida State out of the East, and I think it's going to be Gonzaga over over Ohio State in the, the championship game, which would be a really fun game. Now, I will okay. say, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, Go ahead. I will say that, <laughs> that uh, you know, you think the Miami Dolphins are cracking the champagne every time somebody, uh, somebody, the last undefeated team goes down in the NFL. That'd be a little champagne cracked if Gonzaga happens to lose. I don't think it's going to happen, but you got to preserve the memory of those 76 Hoosiers. They were a great team. Yeah, and you know that like the Dolphins, they all kind of hang out together. You know, Cruz is back in Indiana. I know Benson lives there. Um, Buckner lives there. Yeah, you're probably right, Andy. They they, they would be like the Dolphins if uh, Gonzaga well, loses. Absolutely. Yeah. Scott May lives in Bloomington too. I think. I think he runs a, yeah. a series of uh, apartment complexes there in Bloomington. But how fitting it would be, by the way, that. They finish 32-0, just like the 76th team, and they win the national championship in the state of Indiana. Very true. We got the chance to hear from one coach who got in, Conzo Martin, and one coach who didn't, Travis Ford, Sunday night on Sports Plus. And here are those conversations with Frank from both sides of the big dance. Joining us now is the head coach at the University of Missouri, Conzo Martin. And coach, the goal of any coach when you start practicing in early fall is to get to the NCAA tournament. You've done it. Congratulations. Your emotions right now. Thank you, Frank. I'm very excited, man. I'm happy for our guys, man. It's been a great run. I had some bumps in the road. Guys stayed the course and to be an NCAA tournament team. It's just a fun time, fun feeling for our guys, excitement on our guys. It just really is a new season this time of year. It doesn't matter what seed you are. Just basketball this time of year. We're excited to play against a very talented Oklahoma team. And your opponent is going to be Lon Kruger. Not that you're going to be playing against Lon, but coach, he kind of reminds me of your mentor, Gene Cady, a hard-nosed guy who always wins. He's got 700 victories. Your impressions of Lon Kruger? Very successful coach, a wonderful man. I've had time to spend with Lon. Uh, does a great job with his program. Uh, they play on both sides of the basketball. They defend you. They score the ball. They have really good guards, physical interior guys, a big guy that can shoot the ball. Uh, it'll, it'll be a fun matchup. Jeremiah Tillman, your impressions of Jeremiah. We know he had the, the two-game layoff because of the death of his grandmother, but how about Jeremiah at this stretch? Well, again, as, as good as any big in the country, we got to get him back to where he's playing with that A's neck grit. Because when, he, when he's playing at that level, it's hard for anybody to stop him. But also get back to embracing that double team. When those teams come to double him in the post, embrace that, be aggressive in that, make good decisions with the basketball. But the other part, continue to run the floor like he was in the past, running the floor and defending that ball screen. When he's doing that, I mean, I'll take him against anybody in America. Coach, what about confidence level for your team? You had seven victories against quad one teams. You beat a number one seed. You've beaten some of the best teams in America. You got to feel like, hey, if we're playing our game, we can beat anybody. Oh, without question, the confidence. We don't. We don't worry about confidence. As long as we defend and we rebound and we plan hard consistently, we don't worry about confidence. And I think the biggest thing for us to concentrate on your assignment, be keen on what you need to do to be successful on both sides of the basketball. And then you got to play for each other. When you do that, you have a chance to be very successful. Joining us now is the head basketball coach at St. Louis University. Coach, I know 
It's been a uh, roller coaster of emotions for you the last 48 hours. On Friday night, you believe you may be in, and then Saturday, two upsets happen. Can you take us through your emotions over the weekend? We would love to be in the NCAA tournament. We thought we have a great argument to have been in there, but uh, I know it's always a tough decision by the committee. Uh, you know, everybody is going to state their cases. But the last couple of days, you know, we track it every day. Starting yesterday, late afternoon into the night, we started to see that's going to become a little more difficult based just upon the prognosticators and what they had. If you still go by the numbers, Frank, we, stood, we should have been in. I mean, there, there's no question. I think one of the messages the NCAA committee sent is they don't care about how hard you schedule. You know, that used to be a big thing, but there's a couple of teams that got in that did schedule no one non-conference. There was a team that got in, I don't want from a, a, a league a little bit below ours, that played no one. Their numbers were bad, played no one, but they won a lot of games and they still got in, but they played no one in non-conference, no big wins whatsoever, where we worked hard to get LSU and NC State and Minnesota and all these teams. We worked extremely hard. 23 days without practicing, 34 days without playing a game. And I can remember distinctly during that time period, a lot of us wanted you to get back sooner. And I can detect in your voice, you didn't want to get back sooner. And in hindsight, those two games where you came back, Dayton and LaSalle, that was not a Billiken basketball team. We had 11 of our 15 players who tested positive. Those guys are out 17 days based on our protocols from the university in the city, 17 days of no practice. That's the toughest I've heard of any team. And that's why I kept telling everybody, we're not even close to getting back uh, based on protocols and based on, you know, how, how guys were doing, getting through, you know, the COVID and our COVID positives were stretched out over a seven day period, which extended it for us. And we had four days to prepare for the first game against Dayton. And I, you know, anybody that saw us play and I do not want to take anything from Dayton, um, you know, we, we were not the same team the next two games. We didn't even look like the same team. And then from that point on, we win seven of our next 10. You have a message to Billiken fans tonight? Yeah, you know, hopefully they're very proud of our team. We've been through a lot this year. We appreciate everybody's support as we continue to get more and more fans at Chaffetz this year. They were a big help at home. We won some big games down the stretch. Uh, I'm really proud of our team, how they've handled this whole situation uh, this whole year. I'm really proud of their effort. I'm really proud of their, their attitude and how they've gotten through it. Would we all like to be in an NCAA tournament? Yes. Do we, are we one of the top 35, 40 teams in America? Absolutely. That's not what the NCAA tournament's about, though. They don't take the 68 best teams. We've figured that out, that they take – somehow they figure out the at-large, which I still can't figure out, and then there's obviously a lot of automatic qualifiers. So I hope the Billiken fans uh, are proud of our team, uh, root us on. Uh, it's been a long season, and uh, there's good days ahead. That will do it for this NCAA Tournament edition of the Sports Plus Podcast. Be sure to download and subscribe, as well as rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Good luck filling out those brackets. We'll see you next time.